Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, it's part two of our fall TV preview. What the future looks like for DC without Henry Cavill in it. And will the Predator overcome controversy to be victorious at the box office? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you listening to each and every one of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He is the man, the myth, the legend behind Humanica Media you got to check out all the great things they're doing today at Humanica Media on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so much more, including the outstanding Topicocalypse podcast. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. No time to try and think of something clever this week, my friend, because we've got a stacked episode indeed. That's good because I don't have anything clever. <laughs> there you go. Tip for tat. But it is going to be a great episode we've got for you today. We've got a lot of interviews coming up for you. We've got Anthony Barbarin, usually our resident NBA expert. He wanted to share his thoughts on what's going on with college football right now. It's early in the season. Some trends are just starting to take place. He's going to share his thoughts on some of the big teams and which teams could surprise to maybe even sneak in and get a playoff spot in the near future. Also, we've got... Tyler Baker from the Fancy Football Pater Podcast. Touching on the football theme here, he is going to be sharing his thoughts about week two in the NFL for fantasy football owners. He's got some ideas on who you might want to pick up, who you might want to trade for, and also individuals that if you've got them on the bench, he's got some names that you might be looking for to start in your games this weekend in the NFL. We also have Jessica Box from the TVRatingsGuide.com. That's the TVRainsGuide.com. She is going to be talking about all the great things that are coming this fall to Fox, CW, and the best of cable coming up. So it is going to be a great show. Just cannot wait to talk about all those great things with all those great people. But first up, Josh, I know it hit everyone out there like a ton of bricks, but in the middle of negotiations to do a cameo for the upcoming Shazam movie next year, it looks like the representatives for Henry Cavill kind of just backed out of the scene when it came to continuing any negotiations with Warner Brothers. And either they're on a full hiatus between Henry Cavill continuing with the Superman character or from the kind of cryptic, kind of confusing, kind of almost weird and, and just really vague messages that are out there. It might even seem like Henry Cavill from both what Warner Brothers and Henry Cavill himself are saying that he could be out of the picture when it comes to the future for Superman. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. What are you thinking right now when you hear Henry Cavill's out as far as being the man for Superman is concerned? I don't like it, man. I have a lot of mixed emotions about this. One being... And he says that with a Superman shirt on, I will let you know. Yeah, yeah. I like The Man of Steel. It might be one of the, the few people who thoroughly enjoyed that movie and that darker side of Superman. But, I don't know, everything's very cryptic right now. Everything, the media kind of had a field day with this without 
really verifying anything. So we don't know a lot right now, except both Cavill and his agent are being very cryptic. So is Warner Brothers. You see uh, Cavill had that thing earlier today where he's lifting Superman and then he lowers Superman. So they're all being very cryptic about it. I, for one, you know, I was kind of upset while we, we were talking about this yesterday when the news came out and then they said that there's another article coming out that said they're considering replacing him with Michael B. Jordan. And or with Supergirl, because that's already in development as a movie. We obviously know the TV shows out there already, but they were also considering putting Supergirl in the place if they decide to continue with a Justice League. Right. And, you know, I know this gets beaten to death a lot, but, you know, I'm all for diversity in comic books and comic book movies and stuff. But this is almost so blatant that it felt like this was a move for money, you know, because that's what people want right now. They want female superheroes they want diverse superheroes and i'm all for that totally for that don't get me wrong but if you can't even get your major heroes right superman and batman then why is anybody going to care about these lower level characters supergirl green lantern and canon there is a black superman but they can't even treat their big players right but they want to do all these other movies first and not only are they not treating the character of Superman right, they're not treating Cavill right himself because originally it was slated like Man of Steel 2 was supposed to come out in 2019. They kept getting put on the back burner, back burner. Then, you know, Batman was supposed to come out. That kept getting put on the back burner and again and again. And then we ended up with what? Talk about a Batgirl movie. Talk about a Supergirl movie. And then this, you know, it's just it's not right. They're not treating him right as an actor. They need to get their priorities straight, get their big five players right and then work on the smaller movies. That's what Marvel did right, and that's what DC needs to do. But right now, at this point, you know, news of Michael B. Jordan, the Supergirl, stuff like that, like, they're just kind of beating the social trend to death instead of focusing on actually building their franchise and then focusing on the more social and diverse aspects of the universe. I think you hit it right on the head that they're not focusing on the core team first and then branching it out from there they're just like all over the place because they've talked about not only one but two joker movies one being a prequel then you've also talked about gotham city sirens and possibly a cyborg flashpoint they've talked about a number of other movies instead of just focusing on the ones that they need to get started at least Aquaman, that is actually going to go ahead and be still going on when it comes to December is concerned. But we don't even know Jason Momoa's future after this. You've got Wonder Woman 1984. That is coming up next year. Shazam, that's also something that's already taken place. And there's already trailers out. And that's something that's going to be out there. But after that, it seems very vague with what is and what will not be coming out to theaters when it comes to Warner Brothers and DC. Shazam, in a way, is actually what caused a little bit of this controversy was they were actually negotiating whatever over money or whatever that they were negotiating over when it comes to a cameo in the Shazam movie, which seems kind of ridiculous that that cameo in the Shazam movie has caused all this ill will all this controversy and really just caused this outpouring of anger and angst amongst social media and fans out there that actually were standing behind Henry Cavill as Superman, even though by track record, it's really not proven to be the greatest thing going on for the DC franchise. Right. And again, it's that disrespect of the character. A lot of people have come to kind of I guess, love Cavill's Superman over the course of the DC universe. And we started to see a more lighter side of him in Justice League, but they need to develop his character. He's kind of been stuck at this level. He's been beaten to death between, you know, Zack Snyder, Joss Whedon, the Warner executives. They need to develop the character into what it he needs to be and then have him do the cameos and then have him appear all over the universe. The Warner Brothers is really, they don't, know what they're doing they're all over the place and you know like i said before they're not developing their core characters very well wonder woman okay but you know we'll see how aquaman does but again like the whole thing with flashpoint and batman and cyborg i heard that ray fisher's leaving too so it's clear they don't know what they're doing and it shows that they don't really care about this franchise beyond the point of it making money they don't care about story they just want to sell action figures and t-shirts and stuff and that's what's going to always make them stay behind marvel and also make these movies not do as well as they can do because it's all marketing and it's not 
you know, again, with Supergirl and the uh, Michael B. Jordan is Superman, it's all marketing schemes. It has they don't care much for the story or the depth of the characters. And what's funny is that even though it has underperformed as far as a whole in the past three outings, including well, actually four, if you include Suicide Squad as well. When you talk about Suicide Squad, you talk about Justice League, you talk about Man of Steel, and you talk also as well about Batman versus Superman. You're still talking about four movies combined that have garnered over $2 billion at the box office. And all four of them in one way or another have been disappointments. And that's not even including the hit Wonder Woman, which only garnered a little bit more at $700, $750 million worldwide. So, and even though the Wonder Woman movie has hit and obviously it's going to get a sequel and everything's fine with that part of the DC universe, Everything else that has problems has so much more potential. If it's written well and has a decent narrative, you're talking about films that could have easily go, if they had sequels to it, that could easily go well over a billion dollars because if they're really not well thought of and they're garnering five, 600, 700 million, my goodness, if they are well thought of, a billion dollars to a billion and a half right there easy. Yeah, yeah, they could. They have the potential to make money out of this. But again, it's not all about the marketing. It's more about people want a good story. That's what draws me into the comic books is the fact that the characters have depth and layers to them. And in here, you just get fight scenes, you get grunting. You don't really get what makes the comic book so great. And I don't think Warner Brothers gets it. I don't think they understand what draws people into these characters beyond the dollar signs they're seeing. Well, I'll leave you with this, my friend. If you were Warner Brothers, should you do what you can to try and retain his services? And if it looks like there's too much damage there, then who would you go after as an alternate for Henry Cavill as his replacement in the Superman franchise? So I would definitely try to salvage the relationship with Cavill because people like continuity and people like people that they recognize and that's not just in movies but that's in public too you go to like anything that has like some kind of community group you're automatically going to be going to somebody you know right so it's the same thing with movies i think the psychology is all there they need to keep cavill in the role give him the attention he deserves let him do his thing in a movie that will actually show how good he is as an actor and how good the character is but if he did leave i would i would want arnie hammer to play superman he's got the look you know Wow, that was something out of left field because he certainly doesn't have the box office performance. Let's not talk a Lone Ranger there. But, you know, that is something that's out of left field. But, yes, he does have the look out of it. I would probably say for me, I'd probably say Scott Eastwood because he does have that similar like look. Yeah, he does look like Nathan Drake right behind me, but he still, you could, he, I think he could still also pull off that Superman look as well. But then again, could it go back to Henry Cavill being Superman or somebody else? There's a lot of speculation going on. And at this point in time, it just continues this narrative that has been going on for years now that a lot of people are very unhappy about. And that is the direction and trying to understand what Warner Brothers and DC Entertainment is doing when it comes to their movie franchise. Because there is so much more potential there that could be had. But misstep after misstep after misstep, and I just don't think, like you said, that they get it, and I'm not sure that they ever will. What are your thoughts on the Henry Cavill possible change and possible ouster as Superman? Are you happy with it? Do you want to see him put back on the, the tights and the cape? Do you want somebody else in the role? Maybe someone like Michael B. Jordan or a Supergirl or someone like even what Josh was suggesting, like Army Hammer or Scott Eastwood or somebody else that you think would better fit the role of Superman replacing Henry Cavill at this point in time. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, humanity media and game source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Coming up next, Anthony Barberin is here with an update on college football. This is the PCC Multiverse. Looking for an edge the next time you take on your favorite video game? Look no further than Vitabrace High Performance Gamer Wristbands. Packed with the power of fruit seed oil, Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve performance, giving you a better gaming experience. Whether you're looking to beat the time on your latest speedrun, or are fighting your way to the top on your favorite multiplayer or battle royale game, 
Vitabrace can help you reach your gaming goals. Buy Vitabrace today at MiracleFruitOil.com. That's MiracleFruitOil.com. Vitabrace. Win with it. And we're back with the program. This is Gerald once again coming right back at you here. We're right in the middle of it when it comes to the college football season, something I've always wanted to approach right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Just a little bit of updates here and there on the college football scene. And who better to talk college football? Not only is he our NBA man in the know, he and I both, I can tell you right now, are waiting anxiously for training camp here coming up. But he's also our man in the know when it comes to NCAA football. It is my good friend, Mr. Anthony Barberin. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Ready to talk some college football because I know it's something both you and I also have an affinity for. A lot of great teams that are out there right now. It all starts with Alabama. You see what they're doing, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've got that quarterback controversy, which everybody looks at as far as which quarterback should start. But when it comes to Alabama, is it right now looking like at this point in time, early in the season, Alabama and everyone else? Yeah, I think Alabama is is pretty much a lot to make the playoff unless they have a, a, a monumental collapse. They're very smart about the things that they do and the way they set up their schedule. They don't have a even close to a competitive which you would call a competitive game until they play LSU. Right now, they can go off their reputation of being Alabama without have to schedule too many real monstrous opponents and, and still make it into the playoff. Right now, the top eight is pretty much set in stone right now, according to the polls. Both polls that are out, major polls anyways, have Alabama at number one, Clemson, which just squeaked by Texas A&M at number two, You've got Georgia at three, Ohio State, and well, all I'll say is this. They really gave that Urban Meyer that slap on the wrist. Okay, well, it wasn't really much of a slap on the wrist. They've had two real uh, easy games, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Auburn, and Notre Dame. Your thoughts on any of those other seven teams that I mentioned? Are there any other of those teams that could be giving Alabama some really some some interest early as far as a possible co-favorite going into the playoff season? I would think it'd have to be Ohio State. I'm slapping my wrist now. I'm slapping my wrist. I don't really see a Big Ten team where I feel like, oh, you know, they, they really are the ones who Ohio State has to look out for. I'm sure some of the games will be competitive, but I think Ohio State is probably sitting there with their eyes on the Final Four, and I don't see anybody on their schedule at this point who can really uproot that. I see one team out there that might give Alabama a strong running at this point in time, the way it looks this early in the season, and that to me is Georgia are flying a little bit under the radar, which I guess is best you can do if you're Georgia. But I really think they've got on both sides of the ball a lot of promise. And I think if things go right, I think for them that they can prove to be a viable challenger for the top of the rankings with Alabama. If they falter for any reason, I think Georgia might be a team to look at, but there's also other great teams as well. Is there a team out there that you think people should be talking more about because they have caught your eye for one reason or another? I wouldn't say in terms of the national championship or national title run, but just in the fact of what they're done and what they could do in their conference, Arizona State through the first two weeks have been very eye-opening under Herm Edwards. He's having a better time right now than John Gruden at this point in time coming from the (laughs) broadcast booth. Yeah, and it's the thing in college football, man, there's so many talented players. Coaching is paramount. You don't have the right coach, right system. There's so many programs in college football that it's nearly impossible to get a great coach at every program. And so when you see an elite-level coach, you immediately tell the difference. Like we talk about the slap on the wrist of Urban Meyer. You know, your feelings about Urban Meyer, who he is, but as far as a football coach, there's no denying he's one of the probably two best coaches in all of football. And you see it from the time before he went to Florida, after he went to Florida, it takes when he gets there a second and the program switches. 
and you see it now with Herm Edwards. We haven't talked about Arizona State since Terrell Suggs was on the team, and now all of a sudden they bring a new guy in, a guy who's got NFL experience, and all of a sudden two games in, we're like, wow, what's, what's going on with Arizona State? And so with them, Washington and Stanford, I think those are the three teams in the Pac-12 that that you really have to consider going home with that that Pac-12 championship. And for them to come out of the blue and to be in that conversation, even this early, I think is a testament to Herm Edwards. My choice would probably be for kind of like a surprise out there. I think people, if they're looking in the way of either Virginia Tech or LSU, LSU has surprised a lot of people already. And if they can go ahead and beat Alabama, they can still have quite a say as far as the playoffs are concerned, even with one or even a two-loss type of season because they have already got some nice wins under their schedule. And if they do beat Alabama, that can really go a long way to make their entire season and get Ed Ogeron finally off the hot seat, that's for sure. Well, Anthony, it's been great talking to you about college football. Let's get together halfway through the season when it comes to college football, because I know we're also going to be talking about training camps opening up in the NBA. And you know that's a favorite conversation of ours and a lot to talk about then. But if you have any questions for Anthony in regards to either the NBA or college football, just give us a shout out. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanicomedia, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, it's been great talking to you. I got to talk together about halfway through the season about all the great things going on in college football because, as you know, it can change ever so quickly, and all it takes is one ugly loss, and that sets a team really far back on the schedule and the rankings as well. I think by the time we get halfway in, we'll have a much better scope of who's good, who's pretending, who's serious, and pivotal matchups going forward. Absolutely, Will. And again, Anthony, it's been so great talking to you as always, my friend. Just great to talk to you and having you a part of the show part of the program, and also part of the pop culture cosmos. Coming up right after the break, it's Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com. She's going to share her thoughts on the fall season for Fox, CW, and the best of cable. This is the PCC Multiverse. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Once again, I have Jessica Boggs here from the TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out everything going on today in the TV ratings scene at TVRatingsGuide.com. They have reviews, updated news, information, renew cancel index on what shows are in the hot seat, what shows are doing good, and what shows you already are already out the door. Once again, it is TVRatingsGuide.com. One of the things I also wanted to ask you about is the fall premieres for one of your favorite networks, the always perplexing, the always wannabe DC CW. I just don't understand why they just don't rename it DC instead of, you know, (laughs) I I know they have a smattering of shows there. Yes, I realize that, but they just are so reliant on one particular entity. It just seems kind of puzzling at times that they just don't rename it that. But then again, they have now have a DC streaming service in its own channel, which I joke to Josh at times, they should just put the CW programming right there. And there you go. But any of these shows that are coming to CW spark interest for you? I mean, because like I said, one of the things when you're one of the smaller networks that are out there you're always trying to reshuffle you're always trying to throw darts you're always trying to throw something and seeing if it sticks and cw i will give them credit they're always trying something new at the cw one thing i would probably watch for with the new sunday plot as they move supergirl there at the eight o'clock hour the two new shows i'm watching the new reboot of charmed and all american and basically all American is stuck behind Riverdale as but as we seen last season, the post Riverdale slot has pretty much been a death slot though for every show except for Dynasty. 
And Dynasty wasn't setting the world on fire either as far as ratings go. And it's stuck on Friday nights in Charm. Basically, it has a deal with Netflix. So I'm basically waiting to see if the ratings will set the world on fire on the new Sunday nights. I mean, if it doesn't work, they can always put Supernatural there as Supernatural is a reliable player. Either night, except for Monday. They haven't tried it on Monday yet. They tried it on Fridays. They tried it on every night except the two nights. Give them time. I'm sure Monday will come up on their schedule. Eventually. But you see the return of Black Lightning and coming up after The Flash. And it was one of the second highest rated shows behind The Flash after DC's Legends of Tomorrow, which they moved it to Mondays paired with Arrow and probably can see one more season onto that as this is the season where contracts are up. Well, I'll tell you what, it's also the fact that they have all this programming that is DC related. Do they want to continue on the CW network or do you have a feeling they might go ahead and try and move all these shows that people have become so familiar with in the CW structure to the DC streaming service, which may find a hard time trying to find its own space in the streaming service areas, in the streaming service marketplace because of Netflix and Hulu and Amazon, or you know, all these other networks are doing so many different things. Do you see or get any idea that DC might move all of its shows into that structure and away from the CW structure at some point in time? Or do you see maybe one or two of those shows just going over there? I don't see either show going at this point in time as the CW is super reliant on them. And they're not to that point where there has been a regime change and there's been a soap bubble, per se, with the team dramas before that. And they were in a worse rating situation historically with the end of 90210 than they are now, sans a couple shows. As the ratings overall on every network, including cable, have gone down the last five years. So a point two doesn't sound too bad at this point in time. Neither is a point three. Whereas five years ago, it was pretty bad, especially in Beauty and the Beast time. But there's also like a huge split between CBS and WB is usually the lower rated CBS shows usually get saved rather than the lower rated WB ones. And so that's going to continue for the next few seasons. Moving on to Fox, which is depending on, it seems like it's touch and go whether or not it's doing really well or or seeing some hard times, but it's got some established favorites out there, obviously when it comes to The Simpsons and, and that whole animated lineup that they do have out there. What are some of the things you see interesting, especially when it comes to the fact that Last Band Standing, which got the ax a couple of years ago, now is returning. Could there be a lot of good buzz in regards to that show, seeing some favor now that's gonna be a Friday staple on Fox coming right up at 8 p.m.? Also, what are some of the new shows that you feel are going to be hitting on Fox at all cylinders? Or maybe some shows that think that are going to be something that people need to keep an eye on when it comes to Fox. I think the okay performers overall, you probably need to watch out for REL because it seems like it's going to be another show that's going to only do well because of football. But The Cool Kids is going to probably be an okay performer with Last Man Standing as it's going to skew older than the typical Fox show as Fox is going in a new direction. And Bob's Burgers is going to do okay and the other blocks. But I'm going to say with established shows, they're going to probably see that Star's going to be in trouble because it's supposedly expensive to produce and it was the last show to get renewed. And there's this rumor that it's not going to be part of the new Fox direction. And then also the Orville will not be debuting until the end of this year, I believe late December, if I'm not mistaken. So that show, even though it was a pretty good ratings earner for Fox, uh, I believe obviously to maybe production, CG, special effects, what have you, are always going to make that a little bit longer to produce it is going to be coming out at a later point in time for followers of that show. 
but I, I know it's going to be coming out at a time where I think a lot of people will still be interested as far as that show is concerned. But yes, you've got a lot of shows there of interest. Lethal Weapon with the change in cast, is that something that when you have those changes in with a lead as, as what happened in this case, do you, do you still see a success for the show, even with Sean William Scott taking over in one of the central roles? Actually, I do not because Lethal Weapon's not eligible for syndication and Lucifer did not get saved by Fox, but rather by Netflix. So I don't think the show's going to do well. I think that's going to be one of the shows to watch out for early on this season with the cast change. You can't pull this off. Well, the last thing I want to touch on when it comes to the fall TV premiere has been a great couple episodes I've been able to get a chance to talk to you on. But the cable outlets that are out there, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to when it comes to cable television, some of the premieres? Mayans MC has come out to some really big ratings. Let's start with that first. Do you think that show will hold its Sons of Anarchy type of following and fan base? Or do you think that show might meet some diminishing returns down the road? Or like I said, do you think it will hold firm on its great start that it's had so far? It's going to probably drop in week two, but I don't think it's going to head to really bad ratings return anytime soon. It's going to hold at American Horror Story levels rather than Sons of Anarchy. Fair enough. And that's returning for another season as well. Are there any other shows that you're targeting or that you're being made aware of within the guise of the TVRatingsGuide.com when it comes to shows that are coming to cable networks this year? You've seen several MTV shows return. Currently, you see Jersey Shore Family Vacation. It has returned to big numbers for MTV, but clearly the ratings are down from last season, but still the top rated show basically on cable right now. And you see MTV of 2018 is doing a lot better than MTV of 2016, especially with their focus on new unscripted material. With Scream, that still does not have a premiere date on MTV. But what we do know is that will have six episodes aired on three nights. So that could probably be its only reboot season or the final season overall on MTV. Younger actually is moving to Paramount for the upcoming sixth season, which means no more scripted for TV land. It doesn't fare well for teachers. I know they renewed Yellowstone for another season. Are there any other shows on the Paramount Network that you see on the horizon that could help that fledgling network? I think with Paramount Network this time, especially, you do have two of its hits with Bar Rescue and Yellowstone. This will probably mean it's going to be more of with like a general entertainment hub as far as that goes. And the last thing I want to talk to you about when it comes to cable television, obviously... It doesn't go unnoticed right here when it comes to the pop culture cosmos. And that is the continuing enigma when it comes to The Walking Dead. And when it comes to The Walking Dead, you got to talk about this season being the most tumultuous in the history of the series because you have not only one, but two major stars vacating, including the man most associated with the TV series, Andrew Lincoln. And also Lori Cohen are both departing. She's going mile 22 on us, I'll tell you. But your thoughts on The Walking Dead when it comes to their future, because after six, what is it, six or seven episodes, there's going to be some big changes. Obviously, some new individuals are going to be coming to the forefront as more involved with the series. But do you think that's going to be enough to keep the series alive long term? probably for the next one or two seasons. But right now we've seen diminishing returns on the show. So it's probably not going to last 10 seasons, but it's still the highest rated show on AMC. So at this point, once you've seen like all the diminishing returns, you see cast changes and salary changes going up. At this point, AMC is going to probably cut its losses too. 
I can't blame you a bit. And that's exactly what I've talked to with Daphne Matthew, one of the leading fan sites of The Walking Dead out there, the Walking Dead fan base. She and I have actually spoken back and forth about that and cannot be in more agreement on that. It's especially with also as well, Denai Guerrera, her career is taking off. So her future is also tenuous as best. I know they've talked about trying to finish out 10 seasons, but with it being one of the most expensive television shows to produce and the fact that it has garnered, I think, roughly 50% of the audience as its highest rate. At its highest point, I believe it garnered 15 million viewers. And I think it's now half that, I think, at this point in time. So there's a lot of issues when it comes to The Walking Dead at this point in time. And with both Laurie Cohen and Andrew Lincoln, who is the face of the show, both leaving to me, it doesn't bode well long-term for the program. and But that's going to be trouble for AMC because Fear the Walking Dead hasn't been able to come anywhere close to those type of ratings. I agree. Even though they seem to keep on renewing Fear the Walking Dead because nothing else is doing well or close to those numbers. That's right. <laughs> Better Call Saul uh, has not done anywhere near what Breaking Bad did. And Preacher and some of the other shows that they've had there, it just never been able to click with audiences like some of the other shows that they've had in the past with The Walking Dead in its heyday and Breaking Bad, like I said before. So any last thoughts on some shows that you think might be of interest to people out there on cable networks, USA, Sci-Fi, or any of the other million cable networks that are out there? Because they're still vying for some space. Myself, I'm going to throw one out there. It is the second season of Mr. Mercedes. It's taking a little bit different turn than what the book series have done. But if somebody wants to give that a chance, I I highly recommend it. But if you can find it, it is on the audience network. And I know that's not on a lot of available outlets out there. But I believe if you have satellite, I think it's more accessible. But yeah, if you want to check it out, that's my opinion on the show that you might want to catch the first season was pretty good. I think the second season hopefully is, is starting out like that. But even though it's taking a different turn from the Stephen King book series, any shows that you see on the cable networks out there that might garner interest for people? I think honestly, you see on Stars, you get the fourth season of Outlander coming in November. And Outlander, pretty good ratings for Stars, but not as high as Power. And it's one of only two hits on the network. Once again, it is Jessica Boggs from TVRatingsGuide.com. You got to check out all the great things that are going on in the TV rating scene with news, updates, renew, cancel index, original articles, original features, and so much more. You got to check it out today. TVRatingsGuide.com. That is TVRatingsGuide.com. Jessica, it's always great to have you on the show. I tell you what, I just cannot wait to have you come back on the show and and tell us more about what's going on in the TV rating scene. And I appreciate so much you taking the time to preview the fall and winter for television coming out there to ABC, CBS, NBC, Fox, CW, and all the cable outlets out there, what to look out for. Just truly appreciate you taking the time to do so. And always great to have you on the show. Always great to have you be a part of what's going on right here at the Pop Culture cosmos coming up right after the break it's tyler baker from the fantasy football pater podcast he's going to preview week two in the nfl for fantasy football owners out there this is the pcc multiverse Mm, nothing's better when grilling your favorite meal than adding some delicious wheelie q rubs seasonings and gluten-free barbecue sauce Made with the finest ingredients, Wheelie Q products pack a ton of flavor to your meals, whether it's ribs, chicken, steak, hamburgers, fries, or vegetables. To get your hands on some of these tasty Wheelie Q items, head on over to www.wheelieq.com and a portion of all profits made will go into finding a cure for spinal muscular atrophy. PCC Multiverse listeners, act now and get 15% off your order today just by entering the promo code POD2. That's P-O-D and the number 2 at checkout. For the tastiest food on the grill, nothing's better than Wheelie Q items today at wheelieq.com.
And we're back once again, previewing week two in the NFL. And who better to break down this weekend in the NFL but my good friend. He is the man, myth, the legend behind the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. You got to listen to it today on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel that is available now on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 different podcast networks. It is my good friend. It is Mr. Tyler Baker, a man who I took a loss from in week one, but that's okay. I'll come back and win the season throughout. That's the spirit. It's a long season. The fantasy football season is a grind. Just stick to it. Be informed. Always have time to turn it around. That you do. And not hitting the panic button, I think, after week one, I think is something that we really wanted to focus on. There are little tweaks and things you could probably do to your roster what are some of the things that you're doing or you're hearing are the best things that you might want to consider for making some adjustments heading into week two? Well, you're going to want to watch the injury reports on Friday. There are a couple guys that are questionable, Leonard Fournette being a big one. I think he's going to play. They took him out the first quarter of the game last week with a hamstring injury. You aggravate it, you get a longer time that you're going to be out. So they've been cautious with him. He hasn't been practicing this week, but I think he's going to play, but you will want to watch the Friday injury report. Also want to keep an eye out on Aaron Rodgers. If he <laughs> toughed it out like an Ironman the way that he did last week, I would assume that he is going going to play this week. Now, a stat that's been coming out is that when Aaron Rodgers is in the shotgun, he's much more prone to go to Randall Cobb. So you, you, you don't want to bench Devontae Adams, but if you have Randall Cobb, you might want to consider playing him this week. In San Francisco, it doesn't look like Marquise Goodwin is going to play. Again, we'll have to wait for the Friday report. But if he doesn't, rookie third rounder Dante Pettis is a guy that you might want to sneak into your lineup. What we definitely want to do is we want to react to some of these injuries. Now, in Carolina, their star tight end, Greg Olson, he's out. Second-year wide receiver, Curtis Samuels, is also out. I think that's going to be a lot of targets for Christian McCaffrey. And as much as I don't like Devin Funches as a wide receiver, he's going to get a lot of targets too. And Carolina is going to be going against the Falcons this weekend. That's a divisional matchup. There could be some fireworks there. Marcus Mariota also should play this weekend. I would expect a lot from Corey Davis with Delaney Walker being out. Johnny Smith, his backup, can't quite do the things that Delaney Walker can do. So I'm looking at Corey Davis to probably get a lot of targets. In Tampa Bay, Deshaun Jackson, it looks like he is going to play, but they have a tough matchup. And that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick magic, I don't know if he's going to have the same magic against Philadelphia. That's a much tougher defense than they faced in week one. Those are some of the things that I'm going to be looking at. Also want to keep an eye on the New England running back situation. Rex Burkhead did have a concussion, but he was at practice and he had pads on. If a guy has pads on that's taking part, even limitedly in practice, I would assume that he is going to play. If he is not going to play, James White is going to get a lot of targets because their rookie first rounder, Sonny Michelle, is not quite ready for action. If you can maybe get Sonny Michelle on your team, I would recommend that because that backfield's in a little bit of trouble. Those guys are banged up. And when he's ready, you don't draft a running back in the first round not to play him. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast. Any last thoughts on the way out for week two? I mean, like I said, people should not hit the panic button as of yet. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did get destroyed by you in week one on our league, but I won another league as far as that game is concerned and nice. had the highest performance. So, you know, it just seems like a couple choices here and a couple choices there mm -hmm. can be the difference between a one or a loss. So you got to mm -hmm. stay focused. And if you have enough confidence in your players, you'll probably get the job done here in week two. Sure. Well, I recommend people joining the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Pater Podcast group on Facebook. You can ask lineup questions because the ESPN projections and the Yahoo projections are, are off most of the time. So if you've really got a question about a player, let me know and I'll give you any input that I have. Stay patient. It is a long grind of the season. And if you get off to a slow start, hey, I've been... I think it was two years ago, I had an 0-5 start in a league and came back and made the playoffs. So it's not over till it's over. 
just stay informed, watch the practice reports, make sure you know who's going to play, who's not going to play. And if you don't have time for that, just ask me. As the late dandy Don Meredith would do, he would actually sing when it's finally over as far as the AL. Those are for people out there who know their Monday night football, but you know, we won't go there. That just ages me even more. The party's over. Anyways, hopefully it won't be over for you this weekend in fantasy football. My friend, it is just great to hear from you as always. Going to check in with us on the Monday show to give us an update of what happened in week two in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Tyler, as always, it's so great to talk to you. And again, if you want our full episodes of the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, where we go into more detail on various fantasy football subjects, just check it out. They are separate episodes on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and over 30 more podcast outlets. The first three weeks have been really good. Our Fantasy Football Primer plus our episodes one and two, they're already up. Tyler, it's all credit to you, man. Your knowledge, your skill, and your acumen when it comes to the fantasy football, that's the reason why it's getting it done. Hey, man, I appreciate being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's so much fun getting together with you and talking about fantasy football. Fantasy football is about having fun. And so playing it is fun, but it's even more fun to win. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't worry, Gerald. You, you can still have some fun. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Looking forward to better things this weekend in the NFL. Tyler, it's always great having you a part of the show, part of the Fantasy Football Patriot Podcast, and of course, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back to close out the show. This is Gerald once again coming right back at you here. Just cannot thank you enough for listening to us. And especially this program, we just cannot thank you enough for doing so. Also want to give a big welcome to two of our newest stations to be part of the Pop Culture Cosmos family. Want to give a big welcome to Radio Walkham out of Great Britain and also the SKO Radio Network here in the U.S., it is so great to be part of both of your radio schedules. Want to check both those great stations out, all the great programming, the great music, and everything that they both got going on. Once again, we are going to be part of both the Radio Walkham, that's Radio, W-A-L-K-H-A-M, dot net, and also as well the SKO Radio Network. Want to check both those great stations out. Couldn't be happier to be part of the Pop Culture Cosmos family, and so glad to have those listeners from both those great stations now listening to both our Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse. Also want to give a big thank you to Jessica Boggs from the TVRatingsGuide.com, Anthony Barberin, and also as well Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast, the full episodes of which are also on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel. You can check it out anytime at all on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean and over 30 more podcast outlets. Josh, I know you got a great thing going on with Humanica Media. So, what's going on with all the great things at Humanica Media? Humanica Media is putting out Topic Eclipse episodes. We're doing video now. And also the PCC Gamescast, Gerald. How about that? You know, that's a big thing. New show on the Pop Culture Cosmos. It'll be premiering in podcast form next week but for now you can check it out on youtube at the humanican media channel and tomorrow it'll be up on the pop culture cosmos channel so be sure to be looking out for that we're talking about games and nostalgia and things we're looking forward to and worse rage quit moments that's right it is the pcc games cast that is going to be available soon in audio form on the pop culture cosmos channel and like you said, it is now available on YouTube at Humanica Media and Pop Culture Cosmos as well. So Josh, on our way out, wanted to check in with a couple things. First off, wanted to talk to you about the Nintendo Direct. 
One thing that I was really keying in on, and that one thing I know that you were keying in on that you wanted to talk about, neither of us, it wasn't Luigi Mansion 3, but there's a lot more that was announced today. Animal Crossing Switch is coming out in 2019. Settlers of Catan, Pandemic, and, and there's so many other digital board games that are also coming to the Nintendo Switch. Just got to go ahead and check out what Nintendo Switch is going to be offering soon from all those cool board games. For me, I think that the biggest news was something that I think almost makes me feel like justice has been served. Because someone cursed me out the high of the Wii U, my thoughts on a, a Super Smash Brothers bundle with the Wii U. And I suggested that. I thought that would be something that would garner a lot more sales. I was cursed out that thought I was just blatantly stupid. And well, lo and behold, and with the Nintendo Switch, they're coming out this holiday starting November 2nd with a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate console bundle. That's right. I will say this, that it is coming out November 2nd. It will not include initially if you buy the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Switch, which will actually have you know all the characters right there on each side of the Switch uh, as far as on the facing of it. But what it will have is a digital download. So when the game comes out, you're going to be able to download it to your Nintendo Switch. So in essence, it is a bundle. I'm thinking it's going to be something that's going to carry the system sales as far as forward and really win the holiday season for them. Your thoughts on a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate Switch bundle? For me, it's a long time coming. It now gets me really interested in the product, something that I thought they should have done on the Wii U. I'm just glad they're now doing it on the Switch. It makes sense. We've had this conversation. I'm not a huge like Super Smash fan. I will play it, but it makes sense that there would be a bundle. It, it honestly, like, this is the game. Everyone's a lot of people are stoked about this. A lot of people have fond memories about the game. It it makes sense. Like, and especially like if you're going to have a bunch of new people jumping on the Switch this holiday season, it makes sense to have a Super Smash bundle because that's what people are going to want to be playing, minus Pokemon or whatever. And we, who knows? They might even have a bundle for that when it comes out. That's true that maybe a Let's Go Eevee, Let's Go Pikachu type deal. But I'll tell you what, I think it's something that's a long time in coming. I just think it was a smart move by Nintendo to be finally doing that and to have a bundle that people are going to be able to get right off the bat that will actually download the game on the 7th of December. They'll already have a month to utilize it, to have a lot of fun with it, to, to be playing other games on it. And obviously there's going to be a lot of sales on Nintendo products during the holiday seasons before then. So I think it's a win-win for all the gamers out there. And I definitely think it's a win-win for Nintendo. Now, I know there were some things that you want to talk about when it came to the Nintendo Direct. So shoot it at me, man. There was some Final Fantasy news that you need to bring everybody up to speed on when it comes to the Nintendo Direct. Oh, yeah. I am super stoked, man. Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy IX, Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy X-2, Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age, The Chocobo Game, and Crystal Chronicles and World of Final Fantasy was the other one. All announced for Switch. Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition is also available today, but I was talking to someone about that, and they brought up a good point saying it's 20 bucks on the Switch for a Pocket version where you can go pay 20 bucks or less for the full Xbox experience. So I personally don't know if it's that's worth it to me, but... Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 9, 10, 10, 2, 12. That's exciting because what this is, you're taking classic games and you're making it available to a newer generation of gamers. And that's what makes me so excited because younger gamers get into Final Fantasy. Who knows where the franchise could go? It needs all the attention it can get, which makes me wonder, do you think that they had some kind of exclusivity contract with sony for these games and it ran up and that's why we're now seeing them on platforms other than sony when it's announced in great detail like that and there's several titles announced i have a feeling that that was the case yeah everyone's wondering why eight wasn't announced but i guess there's a contract issue with one of the songs i was used in eight that's why they never bothered remastering it up until now looks like that's the case it's great news for final fantasy fans that these games are going to be hitting the Nintendo Switch. And like I said, for people who have not gotten into it yet, being able to play it on the go on the Switch is actually a very smart move. I also like the deal where there's a lot of classic board games and popular board games of the modern era 
That to me, I thought was a sneakily very good decision by the Nintendo Switch to go ahead and pick up those games because they're not usually advertised when they're on other platforms and having it advertised now with the success of board games and how well they're doing just makes it really just a very cunning move and just a little extra added nugget for those people that are interested in getting a Switch or who have one already, especially with the online that's coming out in a very short period of time. One last thing before we head on out, my friend, and that is the Predator. It's coming out this weekend. They are targeting right now between $25 million to $30 million, which is not a super-duper opening for a medium-level budgeted movie like that is. Your thoughts on the Predator going into the weekend? Is it something you're going to be excited for? I know we've talked about it before in the past, but with the added controversies of what Olivia Munn had to go through being shunned for a period of time by the rest of the cast because of her decision to go up to the execs of the movie company and get a scene cut because it involved a a sex offender. That controversy didn't seem to go away for a little while. It actually came right before the movie, which is not always the best time for those things to happen. And the way the cast treated her initially, all she was trying to do was trying to make things right and trying to go ahead and say, hey, I didn't feel comfortable with the scene staying in the picture. And I, I'm actually glad that she got the chance to speak out and, and got things done. And and hopefully at this point in time that the cast has finally got, got together and be able to and go forward but it looks like overall it might have hurt the movie as far as the controversy concerned but even that in the middle of september this type of movie may not play well to a large audience you know i have some thoughts on that controversy thing too i'm glad it all worked out and all that but yeah i'm I'm glad they got that all squared away but it makes me sad to think that you you know you have people who can't get along on it in the cast of a movie especially but I think right now is actually a good time for the movie to come out because people are going to be looking for things to go see. But it's going to be like like Halloween, though. Like that was cool to older people back when the movie was fresh. And same thing with the Predator franchise. Like, I honestly I don't think it's been marketed very well so far. You don't see any trailers on TV. You just you see them on the Internet, but you don't see anything on television. So I'm hoping it does good. Will it do good? Who knows? I like to see Thomas Jane succeed because I always admired him as a Punisher. But who knows at this point, man, because, you know, like we always talk about, we're in a really weird time for movies and these nostalgia flicks, though good to some of us, they just don't appeal to a wider audience. And Predator, to me, is I feel like it's going to be one of those movies that people wait until it hits Redbox to watch. And that's a shame because if it doesn't do very well, now that it's owned by Disney or will soon be owned by Disney, Disney's just going to put that on the back burner for years to come. And that's going to be a shame for anyone who likes the Predator franchise. I know you had talked about the Halloween franchise, and normally I would agree with you that maybe my expectations for it doing really well were, were going to be have to be a little bit subdued, especially in the wake of The Nun doing so well. But you know what? In a strange move, and get this, man, They're already releasing reviews of the Halloween movie that's coming out in over a month's time. What are your thoughts on that? Because they are really happy with those reviews because there's a lot of glowing reviews when it comes to the Halloween movie, which, like I said, is not coming out for another month. Yeah, that seemed weird to me, but I guess they're maybe that's part of their marketing strategy. I don't know. I'm glad it's doing well, but... Jamie Lee Curtis, it's cool to see her come back to the role. And that that might be something too, because it it's kind of like with us. Like if if they made another alien movie and they brought Sigourney Weaver back into it, yeah, people would go flocking to it. People, you know, dads would take their kids to go see it, stuff like that. But yeah, so who knows? Maybe nostalgia will work in this case. We'll actually talk about that as it gets closer to the release date. But yeah, if you want to check out reviews, they're all over the place for the Halloween movie, which is, like I said, is not coming out for another four weeks. But hey, the word's already getting out already that it is a really good movie. So like, like you said, Josh, this could be a different way to market this type of film. What are your thoughts out there on the Nintendo Direct, the Predator movie coming out this weekend? and the Halloween movie coming out next month. Share us your thoughts, PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanica Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. 
So Josh, it's been a really busy day. Like I said, I want to thank everybody for being a part of it and everybody for checking in and listening to us. Just a lot of stuff going on. Got even more coming up here on Monday's show. We've got Rob McCallum. Also as well, we've got TJ Johnson from Voice from the Underground. He's going to share his thoughts on the Spider-Man game that's out now on the PlayStation 4. I know you're going to share your thoughts on that as well. Plus, we're going to break down in as best detail as we can some of the things that we really are liking coming up this fall in the streaming universe. We're going to have our thoughts on Iron Fist that you can check out now, the Jack Ryan series that's now on Amazon, all that, and quite a bit more when it comes to the streaming networks such as Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, and so much more. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassman. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. Hello, Questers. This is Mandy, the host of Cast Request, inviting you to enjoy our podcast where we explore the rich and vibrant world of Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle soon to be adapted as a major motion picture and television show produced by the award-winning creator of Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Hungry for more content? Perhaps you will enjoy our recaps of HBO's Game of Thrones, Over the Garden Wall, animated Batman films, whatever you're in the mood for. If you love a good story, humor, impromptu parody songs, and thousands of pop culture references, you'll enjoy our show. You can find Cast Request on SoundCloud, iTunes, and of course, our amazing network, the Earth Station One Network at ESOPodcast.com. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos, and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.